Welcome to the Family Worship Center podcast. Each week, we bring you our message from our Sunday morning services at Family Worship Center in Beaumont. We hope you find this message encouraging. This is Father's Day, and so uh, if you remember back on Mother's Day, we had my wife and Miss Erin uh, kind of shared with you some thoughts on uh, on motherhood and, and related to the armor of God. So Zach and I, as we were talking about it, and we, uh, we decided that we would share some things about fatherhood. One of the things that I think, at least in my experience in this life, is motherhood is greatly celebrated, and it should be. Okay, men, this was your chance to shine. I'll give you Amen. one more chance. Motherhood should really be celebrated. Amen. Okay, because of our moms and our wives. And so one of the things, this, this is a, a related experience. I was sharing it with Zach earlier. Uh, when I worked as a chaplain in the prison system, Hallmark would give the prison system their old cards that had not sold, didn't move in the stores, things that they thought were outdated. Shelf life was over. And so uh, we'd have to go get them, but we, we had tons. I mean, I'm talking about a truckload of cards. And one of the things that, that stuck out in my mind was that the inmates could send a request to us as chaplains, my, myself and one other chaplain, on a, uh, our daily average on that, on that farm was 2,830 offenders. And I'm talking about tons of Mother's Day cards. And my experience there on Father's Day, the one that I remember specifically, Three requests for father cards. Three. And so it, it began to stick out in my mind, hmm, I wonder if there's a connection between them being in here and their fathers being absentee. There was one specific instance that I remember. It was an inmate and his mother died. I had to tell him about it. And uh, so as I was doing some background information, pulled it up on the computer, his dad was in Catula. And his brother was in Beeville. Mom passed away from hepatitis C, drug involved, uh, dirty needles and that kind of stuff. So it just, uh, there's always something there about our dads. And when our dads are absentee, that means a whole lot in our lifetime. And so one of the things that I think the Bible's very, very clear about from the very beginning, it says the Lord created them male and female, created he them. Uh, it wasn't a happenstance that God created male and female and then went like, what have I done? He, he was specific in that, and I've shared this before. I think that the male and the female, God has female attributes. Amen. Nothing wrong with talking about it. He says himself, oh, this is as Jesus was coming into Jerusalem, oh, how I, like a mother hen, would like to have gathered my city Jerusalem to me. And so God refers to himself in that sense. So in the fullness of God represented in us as male and female. And so in the home, the male presence, the female presence is one that is uh, important, super important. In today's culture, uh, masculinity is uh, declared to be toxic. You can see it on the commercials, you can see it on television, in movies, and on sitcoms. The dad is always portrayed as the big buffoon. Just an idiot that doesn't know what's going on, out of touch with reality, and, and always to be laughed at. That's not how God created it. 
And in Proverbs 31, we see, somebody tell me what Proverbs 31 is all about. The ladies just did a study on it. The virtuous woman. Oh, how she's to be praised. Oh, and see, here's the thing. The male equivalent of that is hardly ever mentioned. It's in Psalm 112. And that's kind of what our, the emphasis of our message this morning is going to be about. So we're going to read it for you. Psalm 112. It says, Praise you the Lord. Blessed is the man that fears the Lord, that delights greatly in his commandments. His seed shall be mighty on the earth. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. Wealth and riches shall be in his house. And all the men said, Amen. I received that. And his righteousness endures forever. Verse 4, to the upright there rises light in the darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. This is talking about the, the righteous man, the one that fears God. A good man shows favor and lends. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Verse 6, surely he shall be, not be moved forever. The righteousness shall be in everlasting, his righteousness shall be in everlasting remembrance. Verse 7. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. Verse 8. His heart is established. He shall not be afraid until he sees the desire on, uh, uh, see the, his desire on his enemies. Verse 9. He has dispersed. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn, or talking about his head, or his emphasis, shall be exalted with honor. Verse 10. The wicked shall see it and shall be grieved and shall, he shall gnash with his teeth and melt away the desire of the wicked shall perish. So verse, uh, Psalm 112 is all about the virtuous man, if you will. The one that fears the Lord, the one that has lots of attributes that we're going to talk about this morning. In the New Testament, if we bring it up to there, Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Watch out, all of you. Stand fast in the faith. Act like Men, doesn't get much more plain than that. Be strong. So this morning, we're going we're gonna to take a few minutes. We're going to talk about some of those things that we talked about in Psalm 112, talk about acting like men. So Zach is with me this morning. Give him a big hand clap. <laughs> Appreciate him pinch hitting for me a couple of weeks ago, as well as uh, taking care of our worship all the time. So he's doing a great job on that. But he's, he's going to take the first one on the things we're going to talk right. about today. And we're going to start at the beginning. When we get to the end, we'll stop. Proverbs 1.7. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. It's real plain and it's real simple. you got to fear the Lord before you can understand the Lord. And I, uh, as we were getting ready to do this, and, and I kind of wanted to do some research on fear of the Lord. So I do what you do. I went to YouTube and typed in, fear of the Lord sermon, and I scrolled, and I scrolled, and I scrolled, and I scrolled, and I got past all the cool pastors, and I like the cool pastors, I got past all the cool pastors who were talking about fear, and I finally got down to somebody's like VHS tape that they had uploaded on YouTube of Dr. Charles Stanley talking about fearing the Lord in 1987 or whenever it was, I thought, man, that's, in this day and age, it seems to be fearing the Lord I don't know. I don't know. I guess preachers just don't want to preach about it. But the Bible says that to fear the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. We want to get to know God. We want to know about God. 
we don't want to deal with the fear of the Lord. Now, what does that mean, the fear of the Lord? It's quite simply what it says. It's a respectful fear of the Lord. Last weekend, I was at kids camp with Petra, and we were at Camp His Way up in Zavala. And if you guys don't know, uh, the son of the people that started that, a guy named Dustin, a couple years ago, won a TV show called Top Shot, because he is a marksman's marksman. And I really enjoy going up there, because I shot competitively when I was young, and he does some tricks, and it's amazing. He's out there. And he has high schoolers that give up their summers to volunteer. Their camp is run by volunteers. And these people, they like archery. They like shooting guns. They, we do throwing star, Chinese stars and, and all that kind of stuff. And that's why they're out there. These kids love this stuff. And they want to work with kids. So we, we go knowing we're going to shoot some guns. Okay? Sorry if y'all didn't know about that. We go knowing we're going to shoot some guns with your kids. And we get there, and they talk about the respect of the range. They talk about the respect of the sharpness of the instrument, how to hold it, how to aim it. It's, it's caution, it's caution, it's caution. Because this thing can be dangerous, but if you use it right, it'll go right where you want it to go. And I think in a way, and I'm not talking about us using God. God is not our vending machine. I'm not talking about that. But it's this idea of respecting God and letting God be God and not worrying about what we think about everything but this one thing that Paul said, right? Let's just respect God and let God be God, and then we can begin to know him and begin to understand him. I don't know how many of you uh, are here sometimes during the week when it's not service. People in this neighborhood will use our parking lot to do their, their walk, and I think that's great. There is one gentleman, some of you will know this, that has... Uh, a dog, he claims, it is a, a Marmaduke, what is that, a Great Dane? I mean, this guy looks me in the eye. This dog on fours is like seriously almost, I'm exaggerating a it looks little. looks like a pony. It's a big dog. <laughs> it does. And it's a really friendly dog too, according to this man. And I can't tell you, it's happened a couple of times where I'm up here by myself and I'm leaving and I look out, and all the way across the parking lot, there's the guy walking his dog. I'm like, oh, there they are walking the dog. And the dog sees me and wants to come say hi. And here he comes. And I mean, it's, and I'm just kind of standing, like, with one hand on the door, like, I know he doesn't want to kill me, but he could. And sometimes maybe that's how we should enter into the presence of God. And when I talk about entering, just like I spoke about the other day, the entering into the presence of God is cracking open this book and saying, okay, God. You be God. I respect you. Now let me get to know you. So that's where it starts. Fear of the Lord. All right. I thought you was just getting going. You were doing good. Shoot. <laughs> All right. The second thing that uh, Psalm 112 talks about, I can't preach sitting down, y'all. I'm going to move too much. Uh, the second thing that Psalm 112 talks about is accepts responsibility. We live in a day and a time and a culture in which uh, probably the more pervasive attitude is shirk responsibility. Amen or oh me. <laughs> a real man is going to accept responsibility for wherever he's at. It talks about it in, in verse uh, 4 and 5. It says, um, light, shi light shines shining in the darkness. Um, they're generous, compassionate, righteous. Uh, good to those who lend... Uh, 
good comes to those who lend money generously, conducts their, their business affairs fairly. That's not somebody who's shirking responsibility. That's somebody who looks at their situation and says, I'm going to be the light in this darkness. I'm, if nobody else is doing it right, I'm going to do it right. Why? Because we know the Lord's watching. Sometimes we look at things on this earth and we say, well, everybody else is cheating. Everybody else is doing this. Everybody else is, is, is kind of working on the scales. In other words, that we try to get, get everything going our way. And one of the things that, that I have talked about many, many times, the life of a believer is not an easy one when we do it God's way. Especially when you look at our world today, everybody else is doing it a different way. But when we stand up for what's right, whenever we are light in the darkness, I've talked about it before, whenever we're a thermostat and not a thermometer. A thermometer measures the temperature of wherever it's at. That's all it can do. If you put it in a room that's 90 degrees, it's going to say 90 degrees. If you put it in a room that's 30 degrees, it's going to say 30 degrees. It never makes any difference. But a thermostat, on the other hand, if everything's working together with it, we got a new air conditioner a few months ago. That thermostat on the wall tells it what to do. Without the thermostat, it's pointless. It's either going to be off or on. It's either going to be too hot or too cold. But a thermostat is something that makes a difference where it's at. And that's what we're called to do. Light in the darkness. I called call to be somebody who makes a difference wherever we're at. Uh, I, I was uh, reading, just kind of did a synopsis on a book. And that book is called Raising a Modern Day Knight. K-N-I-G-H-T. Raising a Modern Day Knight. And this guy's talking about how that we as Christians are called to be the knights of old. To stand up for what's right. To be chivalrous. Well, that's a word that you don't hear much. Fact is, in our day of problems with pronouns, we don't know what to do sometimes. I'm going to tell you something. If I'm going to be disrespected, it'll be because I held a door for a lady. Or I, or I waited and said, here, you go first. And in this book, this guy's talking about the things that we need to do uh, for our sons. Is, is to, it, it basically is working with Psalm 112, and it says that we need to reject passivity. In other words, that we're just a part of whatever's going on, that we need to stand up for whatever's right in that situation, that we need to accept responsibility, that we need to lead courageously. That's the, kind of the three points of his whole book. And he talks about in that book about his son. And he said, we were going into a restaurant, and it's a mixed crowd. And he said, my son, who's just, uh, you know, like a middle schooler, said he runs up to the door, opens it up, and runs in first. And he said, I stopped him and said, son, what are you doing? Well, I'm going in to eat. Well, why are you going first? And he said, my son looked around and said, oh, yeah. He said, I need to accept responsibility of being a man. And he grabbed that door and held it open for all the ladies to go in. And, you know, that's a little thing. It's a small thing. But I think sometimes we need to stop and, and look at it. John Eldridge wrote a book, Wild at Heart. It's an old book now. But at the time, for me, it was kind of groundbreaking. In that book, he talks about that we're all, all men at heart are called to be basically the same thing that other books talking about, be knights. He said we're called at heart 
to be the rescuer of the fair-haired maiden. And that we're born that way. It is part of how we are wired. Uh, I read a story a long time ago, and and I, I don't know that I've ever shared it, but it was basically this woman who decided that she was not going to raise her children with gender stereotypes. And she had twins. One was a girl, one was a boy. And she said, so I, I didn't give my daughter dolls and I didn't give my son guns and cowboys and that kind of stuff. And she said, one day it just dawned on me through a small thing that they're wired that way. All right. So we're, the, we're wired certain ways. And she said, I gave them graham crackers. And she said, I, I gave my son a graham cracker, gave my daughter a graham cracker. My daughter's broke just as it was getting there. And one piece was a little smaller than the other. And she said, all of a sudden she picks it up. And the bigger one is the mama and the little one is the baby. And she's playing with them on her high chair. And she said, I looked over there at my son and he's gnawing on his and made a pistol. She said, it, it just dawned on me at that moment that they are wired that way. And so, again, God made us that way, male and female. Uh, it's not a surprise that we're wired that way. So John Eldridge, in his book, he says that we need to uh, teach our sons to recover their masculine heart, that we need to allow them to see themselves in the image of a passionate God. I think sometimes we equate masculinity with no feelings, no emotion. It's, couldn't be further from the truth and we need to delight in the strength and the wildness of heart like we were created in God's image so uh, again uh, a lot of things that we could talk about this morning I told Zach I said I'm not gonna gonna try to reel it in today and not take up most of the time I'm not doing a very good job on that so far so Zach's gonna take point number three (laughs) he also told me that that was his shortest point Yeah, 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 this is true. So hold on for number four. I'll move fast. I'll move (laughs) fast. So number three is real men are courageous. Hey, that's that's man talk. Am I right? Second Timothy one seven for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love and self-discipline. The verse six, the previous verse, he's telling Timothy to stoke the fire of the spiritual gift you have received. That's guy talk. He's saying, listen, you've got this gift, you've got to stoke that fire, you've got to work it. Because what God has given us is not timidity, but it is strength and courageousness. Am I right? And of course, Timothy is a young man that is going out and starting a church, starting multiple churches. And I, I saw some stuff that maybe he had a mega church, like thousands of people. That was Timothy, so that's cool. I was looking at Timothy, and I was looking at a, uh, another guy in the Bible who I thought were, was courageous. Uh, and what I discovered is both of these guys, I think, are the greatest examples of courage in the Bible. They're both young men. They're not even fathers. Here we are on Father's Day, and I'm talking about these two young men. But, man, they did it right. You know, they did it right. Timothy was one, and Daniel uh, was the other. And if you don't know the story of Daniel, I'll make it real quick. When he was a young man, he was kidnapped. Him and some of his buddies were taken to the king's palace. And they were raised in a foreign land with a foreign king, false gods. But even at a young man, 12, 14 years old, he stood up even to the king and said, I will only worship God. And through his courage, he began to gain favor with the king and eventually became one of the king's trusted advisors. And there came a point where the king had a dream one night 
And he woke up from his dream, and he called his wisest of wise men, not Daniel, but his wisest of wise men. He said, I've had a terrible dream. I need you to tell me what it means. And they say, sure, tell us a dream, and we'll interpret it for you. And he just, like, got mad and flipped a switch and said, no, 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 no. You tell me my dream, then you tell me what it means, and do it right now, or I'm going to kill all of y'all. And, of course, they're like, sure, king, just tell us the dream, and we'll interpret it for you. So he sent out his guard to kill all of the wise men. This included Daniel and Daniel's friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know those guys. Daniel has courage and wisdom in this situation. When, when the chief of the king's guard comes to Daniel and says, outside, I'm here to execute you, he is brave and he stands up and says, now wait a minute, I need to talk to the king. See, my daddy taught me something a long time ago, and it applies here, and it applies both spiritually and in, in life. That is, never accept a no from someone who doesn't have the power or the authority to give you a yes. Hey, chief, chief guard, you, can you stop this execution? Oh, because the king said you had to execute me? Then take me before the king. And he went to the king, and he said, King, if you will let me and my guys pray, we will interpret your dream for you. The king did. They gave him the time. He came back. The king said, okay, Daniel, tell me what my dream means. And Daniel, he stands up, and he says, um, listen, king, Nobody can tell you what your dream means. There's not a man in the world that could tell you what your dream means. Now, that's courage right there, like off with his head. But, oh, but the king of kings can interpret dreams, and he told me to tell you. And then the dream was interpreted, and Daniel remained in favor with the king for many, many years to come. So, got to be courageous, guys, and I'll, I'll leave it with that. Okay. I think he's deferring a little bit because he knows I'm long-winded. <laughs> the final point, number four, in, in Psalms uh, 112, it talks about in verse 9 that he's a man of honor. And that not only means that he is, receives honor, but that's what it's talking about. It says his horn will be exalted with honor. It means his good deeds, literally, it means his good deeds will be remembered forever. If you want to take it more literal, back to the original language, it says that he will be exalted in glory. In other words, all the way to heaven. The good stuff that you do is going to follow you. And so it's so important that we do the right thing, that we honor people here. That It says if we'll do it right, that we'll be honored in glory. But the idea of honor is not just us receiving it then. It's an idea that that we give honor while we're here. And there's so many scriptures that tie to this. There's so many things. Number one, that we give honor to God. That's uh, 1 Timothy 1.17, that we realize that he's the only God, the only one that's really worthy of our praise, worthy of our glory, worthy of our honor, is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That we honor our heavenly Father above all things. And, and that's part of doing it right. When we put God first, guess what? Ultimately, we'll be exalted in glory. Uh, if, if we show honor to our wives, that's, that's a, a first Peter thing. Show honor to her and, and, and don't take offense to this. But in first Peter, it says that we husbands ought to give honor to our wives, realizing that she's a weaker vessel. And that's no slam on women. I, Angie and I were talking about it yesterday. Uh, there are certain things that... Because I'm, I'm just—I'm a bigger person, as far as stature, weight, height. Don't say anything about the weight. 
I'm just a bigger person. I told her, I said, you know, it, it, it concerns me that we have put, uh, gosh, I, I don't want to get out on a limb and saw it off behind me. But what we were talking about specifically was if she was a policewoman and she stopped me and I didn't want to agree with her, she was going to try to arrest me. Like a guy I used to know, he said, this is a week in the hospital. This one's sudden death. <laughs> you'd, you'd be shot, brother. <laughs> Do what now? I said, you'd be shot. Yeah, absolutely. She would, she'd probably pull, draw down on me first thing. So the, the, the issue at hand is, is not weaker as far as mental capacity, not weaker as far as emotional uh, things, but weaker physically. And that's the way God created it. And I'm going to say this from the pulpit. God made a male and female, and viva la difference. Oh, where are you guys at this morning? Would you want somebody to look just like you? No. He made them to be desirable in our eyes. And honoring her is, is giving, giving deference to her in the areas where she's strong. She can take a can of tuna fish and make something wonderful out of it. What I make? A bowl of tuna fish salad. You know what I'm saying? And so... Uh, us honoring our wives is part of that giving honor. So we give glory to God. We give uh, honor to our wives. We give honor to our parents. One of the first commands is honor your mother and father that your days may be long on this earth. Why? Because they brought you into this world and they can take you out. Amen? So the, we need to give honor to our parents. We need to give honor to each other. Now this is one of those scriptures that sometimes we don't talk about often. It's Romans chapter 12 verse 10. It says, outdo one another in giving honor. See if you can compete with one another and giving one another honor. After you. After you? No, no, I insist. I insist. <laughs> A little Chip and Dale uh, went off there. But that's what he's talking about. Don't be the one that's always give, getting it. Be the one that gives it. Yeah. I'll chip on preachers for a minute. One of the things that in my early experience with preachers is that preachers were always the ones with their hands out. Wanting you to do something for them. Wanting to get something for free. And I said in my mind right then, I will be the one that gives, not the one that receives. And you can ask Zach. I don't do it to be bragged on, but every time we sit down for a meal, I think I, I buy his meal <laughs> like every time. Why? Because I'm going to be the one that gives. And, and that's part of honoring one another. See if you can do it as a competition. See who can outdo one another and honor one another. And boy, wouldn't this world be so much different if, in, you know, whew, well, we could spend a lot of time there. So I'll, I'll just zip on because I promise that it wouldn't be too long. And I've already blown that promise. Uh, we need to give honor to king and those in authority. Render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. Render unto God what is God's. We pay our taxes, but we don't tithe. Amen. Whew. Again, I better, I better come on. Let me get the uh, next one. It says, give honor to all people. First Peter chapter 2 says, honor all people. In other words, even a stranger that you meet on the street, honor them. As I have learned in my own experience, you can catch as many flies with honey as you can with vinegar. Amen? If we're nice to people, guess what? It reflects on God. And so ultimately, it comes down to this, that we need to be Men of honor. As Paul said, act like men. As we go out of here this morning, 
One of the things, if you don't remember anything else that, that these two preachers preached about this morning, act like men. Be the one that steps up. Be that light in the darkness. Be that person that goes above and beyond whatever it is, if it's at work, if it's at home. Honor our wives as best we can. Uh, respect those around us. Honor, honor those that are in authority. To be the man in every situation. Take responsibility for wherever you're at. So, very quickly, every head bowed, every eye closed. No better way that we can honor our Heavenly Father this morning than maybe we're here this morning and maybe, just maybe, you say, hey, I realize I'm not in relationship with Him. Maybe I've never given my heart and my life over to Jesus Christ. Maybe I've never honored my Heavenly Father like that, but this morning I want to. So if that's you this morning, I'm just going to give you the opportunity. Nobody's looking around. Nobody's making, making googly eyes at you. But if you simply say, I need to make something right with the Lord today, would you just slip your hand up so that I can pray with you? Might be something big, might be something little. Maybe you made that commitment a long time ago, but you want to renew it this morning. No better day than Father's Day. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up so I can pray with you? Amen. Amen. You can pray a little something like this. And it, it, we, I think sometimes we make it very difficult when it's very, very easy just to say, Heavenly Father, I blew it. I need your help. Maybe I've made a mess of it. But Lord, I know you can make it better. So as I confess my sin, I confess the things I've done and missed the mark and blown it in some way. Would you just help me to make it right? I confess my sin to you. Would you please forgive me? Would you help me to put all the pieces back together again and be the man that you made me to be or be the woman that you made me to be? Lord Jesus, I know what you did on that cross for me. You died in my place. You died for my sin. Thank you for that. Thank you for making a way to, for me to get to heaven. But right now, I'm here on this earth. Would you lead me, guide me, direct me, and fill me with your Holy Spirit? And I thank you for loving me. And I thank you for saving me. Jesus.